All right, Justin, sing me a song that makes you feel as good as bacon tastes. <laughs> a song that makes me feel as good as bacon tastes? Hmm. Yeah. That makes me feel good as bacon taste. Hmm. <laughs> Why is that so difficult? I'm trying to think of like a food commercial song or something that where it's like um, comparable to that. Like something that tastes good. Um, Man, that's not a song. That's a chime. No, I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose. By a chime, do you mean a jingle? Or yeah, jingle. That was the word. <laughs> Sorry. What, I said chime. That's funny. I was like, is that a um, new term I didn't know? Oddly enough, um, I knew exactly what he was saying. <laughs> I don't have a song for this. You don't have a song I'm that just so makes you feel as good as bacon tastes. It's just got to make you feel as good as you feel bacon tastes. <laughs> Bacon tastes really good, man. I mean, so what's like the song bacon that makes is, you feel really good? They all make me feel terrible. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, it's so good, it's bad. <laughs> no, they all they all don't make me feel terrible. I really thought this was gonna God, be easy. It's just, it's just picking one, though. You know. It's, it's just picking one. Yeah, but it's subjective. Like, I'm purposely leaving this insanely subjective to where it's just as good as you feel bacon tastes. That's it. So easy. So simple. I know, dude. And I'm just a struggling, struggling man <laughs> over here. Trying. All right, Justin. To find a song. I think it's time to call it. No, you have to give me at least 10 more seconds. That's how the rules work. All right, Justin. <laughs> That's how they work. And that was 10 seconds. No, it was. You didn't count it. You didn't count. Man, <laughs> you, you did, I didn't hear. Look at the, the fucking clock start. on your mixer, dude. That's all I did is I watched 10 seconds pass on my mixer. <laughs> you didn't say when the time you should, you got to go begin timer and then it starts. No, dude, I did it based on when you said it. I even gave you an extra second. <laughs> Man. <laughs> and now yeah, it's, but- now it's been like 45 and you still haven't said a single fucking <laughs> song. <laughs> time is going so fast right now. Oh, I think I got one. Is it still time? Can I still say it? I'm waiting. You just now hit a minute since you said 10 more (laughs) seconds. Man. Um, uh, That one, uh, man. Justin, it's been 30 seconds (laughs) since you said you thought of one. (laughs) Was that a stall tactic? (laughs) What are you talking about? I wasn't stalling for time. I would never do. You would never do that. Yeah. I would never do such a a thing like that. (laughs) Nope. I wouldn't do it. I I, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't wouldn't. dream of it. Are we just going to say you lost, Mm -hmm. Justin? 
Do we have to say it? I mean, is there a way that we could just not say that? Nope, because it's now been two minutes since you asked for 10 seconds. So that's lost, Justin. That's a lost. Damn it. Damn it. Oh. All right, all right, Heather, you've had plenty of time to think of something. So you have zero excuses. <laughs> no pressure or anything. Because it's been damn near six minutes since I asked that question. <laughs> That's true. It has been. Um, okay. Um, what is that song? The, oh, sometimes I get a good feeling. A feeling that I never, never, never had before. See, there you go. That was simple. Heather gets a point. Damn, man. Why didn't I just sing like James Brown or something? I feel good. Why didn't I sing that? Because hindsight's 2020, motherfucker. (laughs) Why didn't I just go with that? You actually had a chance for bonus points on this one. Oh, yeah. There was a song. That could have got you bonus points. And that's if you sing the song from Lion King. The are you aching for some bacon? Num, 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 num. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a good one. You would have gotten bonus points. <laughs> that is a good one. So. Heather gets a point and Justin gets jack shit except negative one points because he lost a point. <sighs> Justin, Justin, Justin. Oh, man. If I just had more time. <laughs> yeah, because time was your issue. <laughs> it took you over seven minutes to think of a James Brown song. <laughs> I, no, my favorite was when you were like, oh, what's that one song? <laughs> you just like 30 seconds of silence after that. It just wouldn't load up, man. I just couldn't queue it up. It's all right, though. <laughs> Your Wi-Fi was going slow? <laughs> <laughs> just couldn't. It just wouldn't load, man. Sometimes that happens, brother, brother. It just happens. <laughs> brother, brother. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting side of Jaston that I do that's, not uh, hate. That's... Uh... <laughs> We don't, I don't, I know I don't normally say that to y'all, but wrestlers say it all the time, man. It's just kind of something we say, you know, it's kind of a play off the Hulk Hogan thing or oh, I got like, it. uh, there's this, yeah, there's this tag team in wrestling <laughs> called the good brothers. And then they say that all the time. What's up, brother, brother. Yeah, brother, brother. We're good brothers, brother, brother. <laughs> so I don't know. I just <laughs> threw it in there. I mean, I'm just I saying, I really Justin. enjoy that. It was incredibly obvious with the whole brother part, just at least the first brother, that it was a Hulk Hogan reference. Just saying. (laughs) But, you know, most people kind of, you know, let me tell you something, brother. You know, the power of Hulkamania lies right here in my 24 inch pythons, brother. You know, normally you brother it (laughs) when you're talking about Hulk Hogan. But, you know, but the brother brother is more of a good brother's brother brother. Yeah, but still, it's still got the the Hulk tone, though. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So it's not brother like the Hulkster, like Hulkamania, brother. I'm telling you, Jack, you need to come down to the ring, and I will show you where the power lies, brother. 
Yeah, that went off the rails real fast. Why is this my favorite, like, side conversation that we've had on the show? <laughs> do you ever, do you ever find yourself, Justin, when you're talking about Hulk Hogan, do you have to, like, think about it when you say Hulk? Like, if I'm talking about the Incredible Hulk, I don't have a problem. But when I'm talking about Hulk Hogan, I have to really think about the word Hulk, or I say, like, almost like a Hook Hogan. But, like, it'll be, like... H O O L K Hogan, like a Hulk. Yeah, or like H O K E, like Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, would probably be a little bit more accurate, just because I know the next word is Hogan. Yep. Yeah, and now I guess I guess with uh, most of the people when Hogan comes up, more people it feels like more people say Hogan more than they say Hulk. So maybe that's why that doesn't happen with me. Because most of the time when you're talking about Hulk Hogan, you say Hogan. But that's just because, you know, in wrestling, a lot of guys made that popular. You know, like the macho man, really said, he would say Hogan, you know, Hogan, you know, whatever he was talking about him. So I don't know. I just most wrestlers just say Hogan. But I get what you're saying, because sometimes you can say Hulk. And I could see how somebody not really thinking about Hogan could think you're talking about the Incredible Hulk. So you kind of have to specify Hulk. It's almost like you'd have to say his name together, huh? Otherwise, people might mistake it because they're yeah. both so immensely popular. That'd be an easy mistake to make. You or, know? You, or you'd have Unless to you're obviously him. talking about wrestling. Yeah. You know, or you'd just have to call him the Hulkster. Yeah. The Hulkster, brother. Honestly, I really just want to hear Jason now just talk about bacon in the in the tone of of Hogan. Well, I don't. It's either that or we just need to say fuck this episode and just have Jason do impressions of wrestlers the whole time. <laughs> right. Well, let me tell you something, Heather. I was banging and clanging in the gym, brother. <laughs> Heather, brother. And anyway. My stomach began to rumble and I was getting hungry and I was like, the power of Hulkamania cannot be at its peak unless I fill my stomach with some bacon, brother. And that's exactly what I did. I took these 24-inch pythons, Jack, and I went to my microwave. I put the bacon in and then I microwaved it for about two and a half minutes, brother. And when it came out, it was smoking and smoking and smoking. And what did the holster do, brother? He put that bacon right in his mouth and I marched on and I yelled, yes, my hunger has been satiated and now I will saturate you with the power of Hulkamania. So what you're going to do, Heather, what you're going to do with the power of Hulkamania and the bacon that powered me up, brother, runs wild on you. That is 100% worse delaying this podcast to hear that. That was amazing. I just want to know if you actually cook your bacon for two and a half minutes in the microwave. Because that'd be burned as fuck. It'd be charred. It'd be charred. Like, cause let's just, let's, for argument's sake, think you're cooking microwave, like the pre-cooked microwave bacon. Minute tops. Like, yeah, it's, it's more like a minute. 
Because <laughs> I just thought it was funny because you were talking about how your bacon was smoking. I was like, yeah, because it's on fire. That's how you <laughs> eat it, brother, brother. That's how you eat it. <laughs> anyway, on to our episode. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin, and we've got a double feature for you guys today. A double creature feature, if you will. We will be talking about the movies Pig and Werewolves Within. We will talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between, with a clear divider between those movies and we will also separate those movies out with time codes in the description. Also, you know, telling you our segments, which is, you know, we're going to go spoiler-free, spoiler or er, recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. And we're going to be starting this off with Pig. And because Justin called me out a couple episodes ago about how I do this, you know, timing-wise and all this other stuff, uh, instead of starting with Justin, we're going to go with Heather. What are your thoughts on the Nicholas Cage vehicle oh. pig. Oh, we switched it up. Okay. Okay. Um, so for me, I did enjoy pig. I think it was, to be honest, I didn't fully know what to expect from this movie and going into it. I had heard about it. Um, I don't even recall seeing the trailer for it though. I just remember hearing about it. So I I was curious, especially because with Nicolas Cage, it's usually like really hit or miss. Like you're really, he's really on or he's really not on. <laughs> so I was curious to know what was going to happen with it. And I will say that this is actually one of my favorite Nicolas Cage performances. Like he was super good and super captivating in this movie. So um, especially for that reason, I definitely... Um, I will say I was a little pleasantly surprised with what this whole movie was in general. And again, I've mentioned several times, I'm a huge Alex Wolf fan. I think he's super versatile. I think he's a really talented actor. Um, seeing him do something other than just like the horror genre, um, and just doing something a little bit different than what I've normally seen him in was really good. And yeah, it's just, it's... I don't know if I'd say it's a simple movie, but I feel like it's a maybe straightforward movie is the word. I'm not sure quite the word I'm looking for, but it it works. Whatever they're doing in this movie, how they tell this story, what happens in this story is it's it's easy to follow. It's straightforward, but there's so much to unpack from it as well. So I think it... I mean, it gave me a couple of different vibes of maybe like a Taken situation, the movie Taken, but with an animal instead of a human. Like it just, you know, it has that feel. And you're you're kind of thinking, or at least I was thinking, how's that going to work in a movie like this? Like how how is this going to be played out? Are they going to actually pull this off in a way where it doesn't seem ridiculous? And they don't. It actually is really well done. Just so insanely like 
shocking just what this movie actually is and what it becomes. And um, there are some surprise moments as in you're not sure like the turn it's going to take in the story, but also just surprises as far as like what you expect from it. That's not there, but not in a bad way. So, and I know we'll get more into that, but I did enjoy this movie. I did like it. I liked it more than I expected to, I guess, um, based on just the limited knowledge I had of what this movie was. Um, and I do think it's interesting. I do think even though it has elements that are similar to other types of movies, it really is kind of its own thing. It does its own thing and it does it well. And for that, I, I just kind of have to give it props. So yeah, overall, I thought this was a good movie. Pretty solid. All right, Justin, what about you? All right. So with this movie, I think that um, it's important to talk about just how I felt when I read like the, the premise of the film because when you read the premise, it sounds like it's going to be kind of like a John Wick type, like action kind of revenge movie. You know, you know, when you read different synopsis and stuff, the, the gist of it is, is that a guy returns back to a place where he once lived to try to find the person or people that stole his beloved pig. That's pretty much it. And I believe he's from, he was from Portland in this. So yeah, he returns to Portland to try to find the people who stole his pig. And so that's kind of when I read that, I just thought, and then of course with Nicolas Cage as the lead, you know, you assume that it's going to be one kind of movie. And then when you watch this though, it really is kind of another movie. So I think that I'll preface with that warning out there. In a lot of ways, it, it, it sort of reminds me of similarly how I felt when I watched Green Knight, where you think it's going to be the typical Arthurian legend. And then what it winds up being is more about this kind of inner journey. And it's about more about interactions and stuff like that. This one is definitely that way. It, it, it is not what it seems on the surface, which could be a, a turnoff for some people if you were expecting something more like John Wick, except instead of a dog, we have a pig. And instead of Keanu Reeves, we have Nicolas Cage. That is not what this is. So I just want to throw that out there. If you were um, curious about this movie and expecting that, that is not what you get. But... What you do get, even though I was surprised by what I got, I I really think that this is probably the best raw acting that Nicolas Cage has ever done. Like, I think that this arguably, when it's all said and done, this might be, this might arguably be the, the, the best acting he's ever done, or at least very close to it. I mean, if it's not, if it's not one, it's two, and you'd almost be hard pressed to put anything over this. I wouldn't even say that it's a Nicolas Cage movie more than it is a movie with Nicolas Cage in it. Like, I think that you know, Nicolas Cage movies, that the, they have a certain, there's a certain way that he acts and there's a certain style and everything like that. And a lot of that, I think, is, I don't believe that that is the way this is. Like, the way he acts in a lot of his kind of Nicolas Cage vehicle movies is very different than how he acts in this. But I 
like this. That this kind of acting is right up my alley. I like when um, uh, an actor is asked to just give a raw, real performance where not everything is done with yelling or not everything is done with the just the way that person can look at a camera or any of those kind of charismatic things when they're asked to really be down in the dirt and really just have to really act to really get over what this character is feeling or what this character is going through. That's really the kind of acting that I appreciate the most. And Nicholas Cage got to do that in this movie. Um, yeah, he was, I thought that he was really great in here. So all the Oscar talk, all the critic talk, I totally get it. Uh, with that being said, this is very much a quote unquote, uh, critics kind of movie. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, you know, you go down the checklist. This has a lot of that. Most of the places are dimly lit or there's dark lighting. There's a lot of like reflective scenes of silence where it just kind of lets the scene breathe. And, you know, you're kind of just there with the actors. There are things that even though it, it is sim- very simplistic in his story, it doesn't give you every single detail. It doesn't give you I- everything, like every single detail. It doesn't hand hold you with this story. It doesn't force feed you at- with this story, but it gives just enough for every scene that I think that it moves it along. And even though, um, you know, even if it does leave something out or subtly mentions something or talks about something, it does enough to where you understand where the characters are and what they're doing and stuff like that. And then with, with all of that being said, um, you know, the, it doesn't give clear cut answers at the end. It's one of those things where like the answer is in the visuals and what it's showing you and things like that, rather than let's show this ending scene where, er, where everybody's okay, or let's show this scene where everything is sad or at the end, it does, it's not an ending quite like that. It's a little bit more interpretive. It's a little bit more like reflective as far as everything you've seen and then it kind of collects and then it lets um, you kind of absorb what happens at the end. And like I said, this is a journey that is not a a revenge plot or anything like that. It's definitely more reflective. It's more about the inner journey and it's more about kind of the interactions with these characters and where they arrive uh, by the time that they get uh, to the end of the story in their arcs, which is so, which is very much a kind of a critics kind of movie. So if you're a person who kind of is repelled by those things, I, I mean, you may or may not go for this. You know, if you tend to kind of hate those movies, well, this has all of those ingredients, but I do, but I like those movies. So for me, this totally worked. I thought it was a great film uh, and, and probably the best acted film that Nicolas Cage has been in. I'm slightly offended by you, Justin. How dare you compare this movie to The Green Knight? <laughs> so I don't want to go as much into it with some of those things. All I'll say about this movie is this is probably one of the first times in a long time with the movie where I thought the movie was going to be one thing and it subverted those expectations. And gave me a completely different movie. 
And I didn't feel like I was cheated because of that. I feel like a lot of movies do that intentionally because they just want to create some sort of buzz or whatever for that movie. I think, you know, let's go back to like a, a classic for us with, uh, with the movie hereditary, how the way that they talked about it as a horror movie hurt it, at least in my eyes, because it wasn't that type of movie in the end. Uh, I think, I do think Green Knight suffered the same fate, and I was not as pleased with the outcome as I was with this. I think a lot of movies have a hard time, especially when they are kind of a different type of movie. The marketing teams don't always represent them in the most accurate of ways, and it hurts them. This movie does an incredibly amazing job of taking what you think is one type of movie and it pushes itself up to that border and makes you think it's going to be that, but always follows it up with something that is the exact opposite of that. And it does so very well and in a very compelling fashion. I don't know if I have been so enthralled with a movie as I was with this one in a very long time. I found myself constantly thinking that it was going to go one way. It would go a different way. And then finally I accepted that it wasn't going to go the way I originally thought. And then I still found myself towards the end of the movie thinking it was going to go back to that. And it never did. But I never felt cheated, though. I mean, there's one scene in particular where you just get to see Nicolas Cage utterly consumed with a sad fact and reality and just utterly break down. And it was amazing. Like, this is one of those movies that kind of proves that, like, Nicolas Cage does have the chops. He does. He doesn't always use them. But I think if you give him like a weird or interesting or just compelling movie and just tell him, you know, go act the fuck out of it, he can do it. He can do it very well. And it was just kind of nice to see that side of him. We have gotten to see yeah. some glimpses of that here and there uh, with what's it called? Uh, leaving Las Vegas and oh, there was that movie he did. Raising Arizona. No, not Raising Arizona. There was another one he did. I'll think of it later. But he's shown that he has this potential before. It's just it was so easy for him to not do it and just go crazy Nicolas Cage, which don't get me wrong. I am an absolute fan of crazy Nicolas Cage, but this was just a very raw and emotional journey that I, I would think that most people would actually enjoy going down. 
because it can be a very cathartic movie in the end. And it taps into such universal concepts that it, I think it's just insanely relatable for more people than it's not. Um, I want to go into spoilers, so I'm going to end my section there. Uh, recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yeah. Recommendations and scores. Uh, Heather, go. Yeah, I do recommend this. I totally agree. I think this is like one of the most captivating Nicolas Cage performances that I've ever seen, um, at least in recent memory. And yeah, just a story that you're not completely sure what this is going to be, but you're there for the journey. You're there for the ride. And um, I completely just surprisingly just really enjoyed everything that this movie was. And yeah, it's raw performances. It's um, a good story. It tells the story well. Um, you know, it's got surprising moments in it. It's got not surprising moments in it. But either way, you're kind of enthralled with the whole journey of what's happening in this story. And I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, it's a great movie that tells a full story and it doesn't try to get to like, you know, I, you know, you didn't get it because of this or that. Like it's very straightforward as to what it's about and what's happening, but they do it in an interesting and just really good storytelling way. And sometimes I think that is overlooked. I think people want to always do the creative thing or make things into like this, you know, huge storytelling extravaganza of like, you know, in engulfed in like symbolism and things like that, which is great. But there, I just mean, there's something to be said for sometimes if you don't do it, there's still great movies out there that can have those meaningful things that they're teaching you about and that you're learning about in the movie even when it's a more straightforward type of story. And I think that that's what this is. So yeah, I think it's great um, acting performances and I think the movie itself is solid. So I'm going to recommend it and say yes. And for my score, I'll give this, um, let me see. Hmm. I'm going to give this 80, Yellow cars that are way too extravagant and souped up for no reason out of a hundred. All right, Justin, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely recommend it. I mean, if you want to see Nicolas Cage's best performance, then this is it. I mean, so I think that if you're a fan of him, you should at least see his best performance because I don't really think that there is one that is pound for pound better than this, you know? And sometimes I'm a fan of crazy Nicolas Cage and all of that kind of stuff. But I mean, man, th- th- this is some, this is some real shit right here though. Like this is that, th- this is the, you know, the, the, uh, to me, this is like 
an actor really having to bring it to make this role work and so that's what i like my actors doing so yeah to me this is probably his best performance and i hope that you know he gains some momentum and i hope the the all these the award talks and all that stuff i hope that those are not just talks i hope that maybe he can win something or wind up in some lineups and if he does i would definitely wouldn't be surprised because the the you know the, this is this was a very good role from him and uh and like i said even though this is may this may not be what it was advertised on the surface i still think that it's a very good reflective inner journey and um another good journey about grief and here lately we've been getting a lot of like i guess grief movies and series and stuff like that you know wandavision was about grief nomadland was about grief uh this is about grief and i think that this is just another one of those movies which is i guess just such a relatable thing for so many people especially right now just in today's time so uh, you know so i think in that way it is timely it does have relatable material going for it beneath the surface and it's all constructed kind of like one of those revenge plot action movies but surprisingly that is not how the events occur even though that's how it's structured and i think that's kind of the genius of the film so you 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 know but to under really understand these things you really need to see it you really need to see what we're talking about and you really need to see this uh nicholas cage performance so with that being said i'm gonna go with 92 uh, tape recordings that you can't bear to listen to out of a hundred. This is just one of those deep, ponderous, uh, all-encompassing type of movies. I mean, like I said, this movie hits on such universal concepts that I really do feel like most people out there would be able to thoroughly enjoy this movie, or at least enjoy the experience of watching this movie. I wholeheartedly recommend it. I absolutely loved this movie from beginning to end. I think it's, I think it's just expertly paced also. Like this movie isn't one of those movies that kind of like speed, speeds up and slows down. It has a very just methodical pace to it. And it works very well with the plot and with the way the story unfolds. I think it's just a very continuously moving movie, even if it's not fast-paced. It's not fast-paced, but this movie constantly moves. And I really appreciated that about it. Um, so yeah, like I said, I absolutely recommend it. And I'm going to give this movie uh, 95 salted baguettes out of 100. Mainly just because I that just sounds delicious. I want a salted baguette. Uh, spoilers? Yeah. Yep. Spoilers. So let me really explain my journey through this movie. For like the first, I don't know, half hour of this movie, I thought Nicolas Cage was going to murder everybody constantly. <laughs> I was in a right. constant state of okay, now Nicolas Cage is going to murder everyone. Like, you know, like the whole beginning happens and all this shit. And then they get to that one truffle farm and they're like, 
somebody stole my truffle pig. And that old woman's like, motherfucker, those motherfuckers. I was like, oh, yeah, people's about to get murdered. And then they didn't. And I was like, okay, he's really trying to keep it low again. And then they go to that underground fight thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, somebody's about to get murdered. And then that guy just beats the fuck out of Nicolas Cage. I was like, he did that to get the name. Now he's going to murder everybody. And then he doesn't. I was just in this perpetual state of he's going to murder people. And then finally, I accept that he's not, especially when you find out he's a chef. I was like, oh, I was totally thinking like CIA agent or black ops guy or some like mercenary or something. Nope, just chef. I was like, okay, he's, I guess he's not going to murder anybody. And I accepted it. I accepted he wasn't going to murder anybody. And then you get towards the end of the movie. When he finds out his pig died. And then I'm like, oh, now he's going to murder everybody. I went right back into it. I went right back into thinking he's going to murder everybody. And then he doesn't. And then I accepted again that he wasn't going to murder anybody. Then him and Alex Wolf's character go to that diner and they're talking and all this other stuff. And then Alex Wolf's character gets back in his car. And he's just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, just in the back of my head, I was just telling myself... Nicholas Cage is going to murder him now. And he didn't. He doesn't. Because that's it's not that type of movie. It's just really kind of funny how much that kept popping in my head in this movie. And I almost think it was partially intentional. I do think that somebody somewhere ended up saying, oh, this is just like a really sad version of Nobody or John Wick or like Heather's said Taken. Like it's just a sad movie version of that. And it's like, well, what would happen if that happened to a regular person who wasn't a murderer? How would this movie go? And it's kind of that movie. He's not like, he's not a soldier or anything like that. He's just a really good cook. And he just really wanted his pig back because he loved his pig. And like, so I don't know. I don't know if it was intentionally framed. Like if it was intentionally framed those ways, to constantly think he was going to murder people or that just somebody somewhere just didn't know how to describe it. And they just kind of said, it's like a sad John wick with a pig. And then that just kind of spread like a rumor or something. Cause like when I'm looking at this, I don't really think like it was intentional to be a misdirect, but I guess like Justin said, when you read the synopsis and you hear about it and all this other stuff, that's just what pops in your head is that it's going to be a murder spree over a pig. And it just, it's not at all. And the thing is, is I guess like the story and the acting in this to me were so good that like, even if this wasn't the movie I thought it was going to be, I still was never disappointed in it. Like in a very abstract way, am I disappointed that this isn't a movie where Nicolas Cage is murdering everybody over a pig? Yeah, kind of. I still want to also see that movie. But at the same time, I'm completely satisfied and love the movie we got with this. I just need them to now make Pig 2 its hunting season and then Nicolas Cage hunt everybody and murder them all. I just need both movies to exist in this world. But I mean, no, for I, I did. I absolutely enjoyed this movie. And... Like I said, it's a very deeply resonating K 
cathartic emotional movie about just the nature and journey that is grief and loss. And I like how they show that perspective or that, that, that journey through different perspectives with different characters throughout the movie. You know, you have Nicolas Cage feeling the same thing about his pig, but then it's also tied into his loss of his wife and the loss of everything that, that came from that. And then you have Alex Wolf's character who is also like mourning the loss of his mother and also how that caused him to lose his relationship with his father. And then you have his father's character who's mourning the loss of his wife. And I know she's not actually dead, but she's in a comatose state. So it's not like she's, you know, around he just, and the only reason why she's in a comatose state is because the dad can't let her go, but because he can't let her go and it's driving him like crazy with grief, he's has this terrible and toxic relationship with his son because of it and all these things. And like, then you have like one of the most fascinating stories in this movie to me was there's a scene in the movie where they go to a restaurant to get information about a pig or the pig. And the guy, the chef there used to work for Nicholas Cage's character. And like Nicholas Cage was talking to him about like, well, why didn't you make a pub like you wanted? Like and make the food you wanted. Like, why are you doing this? Why didn't you do what you wanted? And you just see that guy just start reflecting and contemplating about he did give up on his dream. Yeah, he might be running a fancy restaurant that's successful and that people like and all this other stuff, but in the end, it still wasn't his dream. He's still not completely filled, fulfilled. So you get the you get that like a mini version of like I was saying, the, the story of loss with that character in a very short scene that I just think is just utterly expertly crafted to allow that, that same character, a very small character in the long run of the film, just go through the same journey as all these other characters are that are more main characters. I thought that that was just in a very amazingly shot and written and acted scene in a movie of yeah. that. I thought was just going to be a fucking slaughter fest. So I did. I, I still really just absolutely love this movie. I mean, I did have to take some points off because it wasn't a Nicholas Cage slaughter fest. And because that idea is going to be stuck in my head till the day I die. Until I die, I need to experience a Nicolas Cage Slaughterfest about a pig. I need to see that movie too now. I need both those movies to exist. And until I get it, I don't think I'll ever just fully be a complete person. And also, there's some wow. points off because the song at the end of this movie is very weird. I don't know if it's just like a popular old song or something. I didn't recognize the song, but it very much sounds like, I don't know, a guy going after an underage girl and it's creepy and weird. And I did not like that song being the song choice at the end of this movie, especially being a loving memory from this man's wife to him. It's very creepy and weird. And I did not like that. Did not like it at all. Um, yeah, I'll let one of you guys go now. Uh, Justin, go. Um, yeah, so, um, try not to say any of the same things, uh, but, um, 
but but yeah, this movie is pretty much uh, exactly what we we've all said it was. It's a it really is just a journey about this man's grief and everything like that. And the, the pig, you know, whether you just want to say it was the pig or the pig in a way, in some ways, even kind of does sort of represent his wife and everything like that. And just not being able to let that go thinking, you know, this thought that maybe it's alive, you know, that, that thinking that maybe just maybe this pig is still alive. And even though that pig was dead, he still was holding on to that, just still thinking that and everything like that. And he had to just hope that this pig was still alive. And, you know, he and later you you realize that it wasn't really just about the pig. Of You know, he could train another pig and everything like that. But he had that closeness with that pig. He had that relationship because that pig was kind of in a way, trying to kind of feel that void of grief that was left by his wife. So, and there was just a lot there. Like when he said, you know, I, I just kept telling myself that that pig was alive. You know, maybe I, I kind of knew that the pig was dead, but I had to keep telling it myself that. So that scene when he finally hears that the pig is dead and he breaks down, it, it, it it's really clear that even though that pig, that that yes, he is crying because that pig is dead. Uh, really, the 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 bigger story there is that it's just that that harsh realization that you know, and, and that grief that he never got to let out for his wife. You know, you feel you get the feeling that he never really got to do that because of the trauma of that and what happened with that and everything like that. You know, you, you, through the journey, you find out that after his wife died, he sort of moved out outside of Portland, was in this sort of forested, wooded area and sort of secluded himself from society, just kind of gave up cooking. And, and obviously this was a renowned chef with a great reputation. I mean, when he goes back to Portland, everybody knows him and stuff like that. So you really get a sense of what he gave up to sort of live this secluded life as a result of that trauma. Um, and, and really this is about him kind of trying to find this pig, but in finding this pig, he's actually facing his past. And then finally he grieves for his wife, Uh, you know, even though yes, it was the pig, but in another way, it was the wife. He finally got to grieve. He finally got to get to a point to where he could let out those raw emotions. And that pig was kind of an extension of the wife and everything. And I, I think that that was a great arc for that character because early on, he can't listen to this tape recording that his wife had made for him for that reason, because all these feelings, he's kind of running from them. He hasn't faced those feelings yet. And then through this journey, he does finally have to face those feelings through the death of this pig and through facing his past and everything like that. And so then finally at the end, uh, when he can actually listen to the recording, you, you just realize where the character is and that he's grown. And maybe there is hope 
for um, this chef. Maybe there is hope for this man uh, now that he has faced some of those feelings about his wife and has like has and has faced the reality of that. And just like he was holding on to the pig or holding on to those memories of his wife and stuff like that, just like uh, you guys were talking about with um with um I think that character's name was the son. I think his name was Amir. Yes, mm-hmm. Amir, Alex Wolf's character. His father was doing the same thing, just like uh, Sterling talked about with holding on to the wife and, you know, l- allowing her to stay in that comatose state and not being able to let go of her and stuff like that. So I love that. And I love, and and like, you can see how this is structured just like one of those revenge plot action films. Cause it really is, you know, it starts off, peaceful our protagonist is peaceful and he's just you know doing something and just like how you know you would see an action movie star with his wife or with his family that's how you see Nicolas Cage with his pig you know he's just you know they're rolling around they're having a great time they're having bonding moments and they're they're searching for truffles and everything and he just seems to have this great relationship with his pig and then all of a sudden chaos strikes and these people come in the night and he can't defend against them and the pig is taken and it's like oh no it really has all of the beats of like one of those action films and then what does he do he starts on the journey he befriends what is a sidekick and then they go on this quest to try to find out who did who did what to this pig there are all these confrontations um and then finally there's the final confrontation with uh the main antagonist of the movie so when you really look at it on its surface and just how it's structured it all plays out just like this action flick john wick nicholas cage kill everybody type of movie but what was so cool is that these battles were just like they weren't outward battles that you know it wasn't sword fighting it wasn't fist fighting it was inner struggles and it was inner battles and it was more about this battle with each of this of these and each of these people kind of had a different perspective of grief or a different loss they were dealing with and the battles were more about that so i thought that that was so cool um i love that montage scene where him and amir are cooking um in preparation for that uh final battle with uh amir's father darius and everything i thought that that was really cool too instead of a montage of the protagonists getting ready and strapping up and loading up all the guns and stuff like that with the sidekick it was more of this sort of cooking that they were doing and making that meal that um that amir had talked about that he remembered them fondly talking about that that he had shared with um that his father had shared with his wife and everything like that so i loved how all of that came into play and i love how when they were at the dinner table you know the the darius character just broke down just at because of all of the memories triggered from that food and everything like that that was just incredible man like how they did that and like that was just such a cool way to do this final battle and everything like that and it was just nothing and in a way 
like Nicolas Cage's character, he won, you know, Rob won, but it wasn't that kind of battle. He helped that. He helped him face his grief about his wife. He helped the son face his grief about his mother and the relationship with his father and all. And then that led to kind of Nicolas Cage getting the truth about the pig and him having to face his grief. So the movie really is incredible for that. You know how it was able to line all those things up and have it structure out like this action film, but then and give you that, but in a completely different, reflective, creative sort of way. I just thought it was really great, man. So yeah, uh, this was extremely enjoyable, and my hat is off to them. And that was what I thought was just incredible about this movie, is that through that entire sequence, everybody got to kind of come to grips with that grief. You know, the the son did, the father did in that moment when he was experiencing how that food tasted and the memories that he had of his wife because of that. And then because of that, he then gave the news to Nicolas Cage about the pig and everything. And then Nicolas Cage kind of got to face that grief, that reality of that. And yes, he was weeping for that pig, but there was also just facing that grief for his wife and finally getting to grieve like he needed to grieve and just have that relief. So I just thought that that was incredibly done, how they structured it like the final boss battle, that final henchman battle, that 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 mob boss final battle at the end of an action movie. And it totally was just a completely different battle about what these people are going through and why they're doing the things that they do and how that all ties together and everybody doing all of these different things in response to this grief, you know, and that's what was cool about all the characters, like like what Sterling was talking about, you know, sometimes uh, like with the chef or, or the that was his former chef that didn't um, follow his dream and didn't uh, make that and didn't come up with that pub, you know, he's in a restaurant somewhere. So I just love all of that, like how loss can affect your life in so many different ways. Sometimes it means that you make different decisions and don't follow your dreams. Other times you seclude yourself and you you quit what you were doing and you kind of and you kind of seclude yourself from the outside world. Sometimes you buy a big shiny expensive car to compensate for that loss, for what's missing. You know, you think you need all these other things and this outward appearance, but that's to hide what's really going on inside. And sometimes you leave somebody on life support because you just can't, you don't know how to let them go. Even though it's not beneficial for them per se or anybody else, you just don't know how to let that go. So I, and you feel like you got to steal other people's things. You got to have these other things because you just don't know where to place your feelings. So I love how that was encapsulated in all of these characters and how each character sort of had to face that in this journey. So it really was amazing stuff. All right, Heather, what about you? Yeah. And I also just like, I do think it's funny because I agree in general about like Nicolas Cage and how he's very... (laughs) 
he he doesn't always utilize his talent, but the talent is there. And I don't know. I feel like people forget sometimes, like, Nicolas Cage is an Oscar winner. <laughs> like, he's won an Oscar for his acting abilities, which surprises me. And I forget it a lot of the times. But then you see stuff like this where you're just like, yep, it makes sense. It totally does. And I just, I feel like his performance here is so captivating. Like, there's something about a, a wise old Nicolas Cage that I just really love. <laughs> like, I just think how they did that in this movie was so great. And his dynamic and his chemistry and his relationship with Amir um, or Alex Wolf was, that was probably one of my favorite parts of this movie. Um, just because you know, in spite of all their, their trouble and their differences and their arguing and everything about it, like you just see that there's something there that connects them on this deeper level, which is a lot of, you know, talking about, you know, the grief and, and loss and things like that. And just kind of coming to terms of realizing who they are as human beings underneath it all. And I just think that that was, that was a really kind of cool thing that they did in this movie. And I think that, um, like you can just, you could just see it in their interactions and especially the, the hard conversations that they have where Amir just, he's totally enthralled with whatever Rob has to say. He's just like, I like, he's, he's looking up to him almost, you know, it's almost like, as much as he's just like, this is a crazy journey. I can't believe I'm along for this ride. Something about him wants to stay. And I think, I don't know. There's just something about that relationship in this movie. And yeah, the the scene when they're kind of sitting at the, I think it's the apartment after, you know, something and, and they're just talking and Amir's talking about his mom and just that whole scene was so good. And you just see this really real moment between them and this really real, like putting aside our irritation with each other, putting aside this crazy thing we're doing, we're coming together as human beings. And that really, for me, was the best part of what they did here. Because honestly, grief is a really hard thing. And grief really can connect people and bring people together in, in a way. And I just, I do appreciate what they did with that in this story. And I also really enjoyed the scene when it's like after um, Nicolas Cage's character talks to um, Amir's dad and then he comes out and Amir's there and he's like, you know, I'm sorry, you know, kind of like the apology. Like, I just like how that whole scene went down because it was kind of like Nicolas Cage being like, I don't need the pig to do this for me. Like, that's fine. Like, that's not what I actually care about. You know, and then Amir's just like, well, what are we even doing this for? Like, what was this whole thing about? And then he just gives a very simple, I just love her, you know, talking about the pig. And even though saying more words definitely would have been effective, not saying it, you totally get what he means. You know, you totally understand why that pig is important to him. You totally understand what he feels about this whole situation. And, and, and I just, I think there's, there's just a really good way that Nicholas Cage does this character where he doesn't have to say a lot of things, but you get exactly what he means and what he feels with what he's saying. And 
it, it was just really well done. And yeah, I totally am also on board with you, Sterling, about I really thought this was going to be like, I'm going to kill literally anybody who stands in the way of me finding my pig. <laughs> I totally thought that's what this movie was going to be, too. And and you're right. Like, as much as it's like that would be super awesome to see, it did not take away from how good the movie was because it did so many things so well that you don't care. You're just like, oh, that's a bummer, but you don't care. Which, in a sense, for me, I feel like that's a little bit opposite of Green Knight, at least for me, where with Green Knight, I was like, I want to see action. I want to see sword fights. Like, I feel like that is totally something they need to have in this movie at some point. But in this one, as much as I also wanted it, I'm just like, okay, I get why they didn't, though. You know, and and there's just, yeah, the way that they do it and how the story progresses and builds and just what they're trying to say in this movie the points they're making things like that it's okay that they didn't and it's still just as good you know and so i just i just think they're very thoughtful in just everything they did with this and and you know that they probably knew going into this that people were going to think that same thing about oh nicholas cage is about to murder people he's going to kill people it's going to be crazy action and they probably kind of played that up and it kind of built built up a little bit of that um, anticipation, you know, of like, what's about to happen? Is this when all this goes down? You know, and I don't know. It's just, it's such an interesting, they make such interesting choices in this movie. But that's what makes it so good. That's what makes it captivating and different. And um, And I always really enjoy stories that are about dealing with grief and dealing with loss and, and what that means and what people go through when they are dealing with that, you know? And I think like, that's why I liked WandaVision so much, you know, cause I feel like that's a lot of what the underlying story was there. So that is the, the element that I enjoyed most about this movie and just seeing how difficult it is for people to move on and what loss actually looks like. And just in their minds, how people are just like, no, I can't, I just can't let it go. Or people that are just like, I don't even want to think about this. So I'm going to do literally anything else so that I don't have to think about this. And then there's people that are like, no, I'm super angry about this. And so I need to do something else, you know, like just the different ways and things that people do to deal with and handle their grief. And that is, it's a hard thing because I think Everybody at some point in life is dealing with grief or will deal with grief if they haven't. And so I, it's such a human thing and talking about it or making movies about it and showing it is so important, you know, especially right now. I feel like right now it's definitely needed to like kind of normalize any kind of ways that people really sort of deal with grief so you can understand it and, and feel that connection with I've dealt with that, you know, and so I really do think the underlying story of what they're doing here is so important. And um, so, yeah, and I, and I think that is what makes this movie good at its core. It's just deeper than you ever expect it to be. And, and that that is what drives it. And that's what makes you care about what's going on as crazy and weird as the surface plot of what you hear this movie is about is you're like, interesting. Okay. He has a pig that's kidnapped and he's looking for it. Interesting. 
But then you you see all these elements unfold and these layers come out of it and you get it. You totally understand it. And so I, I think that it just is a testament to how well this movie is made. Like this is how you make a good film, I would say. And yeah, I, I think as straightforward as it is to what happens, there's also those layers in the straightforwardness of the story that just kind of make it very dynamic as a movie in general, if that makes sense. So yeah, I mean, it just, it's definitely, it's unique in a lot of ways. And I I just think that you would be missing out on something potentially really important to, to see on screen or hear about or hear talked about if you don't see it. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that the underlying story and underlying what they're talking about and dealing with is completely just what drives this movie to be as good as it is. Yeah. I just really kind of want to bring up something Justin talked about earlier with that, that scene of, uh, Amir and, and Rob cooking together. I really love that scene. I just thought that was such a good way of demonstrating like who Rob was in that role. Especially then when you see the end of the movie, when you get back to that cabin and you realize that he has, he's still been doing this stuff the whole time. He's still been cooking and doing this stuff the whole time. It just was for him and his pig. And I liked that little realization and stuff at the end with that. And I liked how in that scene also, it kind of shows that who he was as the character everybody was talking about also because we don't really get to see that version of Rob with the exception of that scene so I really kind of appreciated that aspect of it also within that scene yeah that was cool yeah you're right because they don't do like this whole let's do a flashback of who he was before all of his grief and I appreciate that they didn't do that I think that added a lot to the story Uh, any more thoughts on pig no Nope, I'm good. All right, let's go into Werewolves Within. All right, so once again, we'll talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with this movie, with time codes in the description, going spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then once again into a more spoiler-centric section. So with this one, uh, Justin, go. All right, I also enjoyed this film a lot too, man. I thought that this was uh, another good movie. Um this was one that I really hadn't heard about until uh, you guys had talked about it. So I, I had no idea what I was walking into with this and everything like that. But I really thought that this was cool, man. It was like it was like the Clue movie mixed with like a whodunit. But then there was like werewolf lore and stuff like that in there. And then it just had all these colorful characters and really just like a game of clue that that's how this movie was. You know, you're, you're getting all of these different characters and you're learning about them and you're wondering, okay, who could be behind this? And the movie plays with that idea very well of, okay, who's the guilty party? Who could be the werewolf, this, that, and the other, or is there a werewolf? Like it plays with all of these concepts. I thought very well. And even 
when there were things that I could see coming or I figured that this is what would probably happen. I still like the way that things were done. I still like the dialogue that they chose to do. I, I like the way that the actors came off uh, in this film. So overall, I really enjoyed this. I thought that this was very enjoyable it's also very smartly written like like it's just smart about what it does with the characters when characters make certain decisions you can see that character doing that like um it's just very well written in that way and then i thought that the chemistry between the leads was really good i thought that sam richardson was really good in this as finn um, I thought that he was very good. I liked the quirks of the character. I thought he did that very well. And uh, just kind of what the character struggles with as far as um, confidence in himself and stuff like that. And I think that he was just so good about how he interacted with um, the other uh, characters. Um, he, he also had good um, chemistry with, and I hope I say her name right, but uh, Milena... Ventrip, um, AT&T girl. Um, she was good too, man. Like I really liked her in this dare. I say she might've been the best thing about it. Like she was, they were good together, man. I liked them together. They had a kind of a comedic kind of quirkiness to them and everything like that. And I think that those two really, uh, drive the movie, but the, but other actors and actresses, uh, showed up in this too. I mean, I really, really enjoyed the whole cast. I think everybody kind of played their role well. I mean, and did so well with these different characters. So I really thought that everybody uh, just kind of showed up. And I'll get into more specifics of people um, when we get to the spoilers, because I don't want to say too much, because some of it's plot points that have to do with their acting and everything. But yeah, man, I really liked the cast in this. I thought that it was funny. I thought that it had also some good horror elements, just stuff where you're wondering what's going to happen or what's going to happen with this character and stuff like that. And I like the whodunit mystery of it all. I think in the end, it all worked. I thought the ending was satisfying. So yeah, all in all, this was, I, I thought, a very enjoyable film. What about you, Heather? Yeah, I think it was, um, again, one of those movies that I didn't really have an expectation. It seemed like, you know, just a silly, goofy movie that I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I guess I'm on board for it. And I ended up liking it a lot more than I expected to. Um, I, I do agree. I think that the chemistry between the two leads in this is really good. Like, not even just like, okay, it's passable. Like, I just think that they had really good chemistry together. Um, and Sam Richardson is, he's really funny. Like I've seen him in a couple of different things and he's, he's not normally a lead role necessarily, but he always delivers and he's usually just always the funny guy. And he was definitely funny in this, but I really like seeing him in this lead role. I think he has the ability and the chops and the charisma enough to really pull that off and that he should definitely get more more roles where he is the lead in it. And, um, yeah, uh, Milana Vaintrub, like she, I had not really, I mean, I guess I've seen her in other things, not really thinking about that. That was her, but she's good. Like she's a very charming, endearing person. 
in even in a movie like this, you know, it's she's just really good in the role. It just seems very natural for her. And I just think their chemistry and their dialogue and everything was just very natural. Um, I think the, I, I really do think it's a clever and really cool thing to do where it's like a werewolf whodunit, you know, where it's like, who is it going to be? Who is it? Is it this person? Is it this person? And everybody's sort of second guessing everybody else. And yeah, just kind of like that clue vibe to a werewolf movie. I think that that's interesting. And, and I really was intrigued by that. And I thought they, they did it really well. They executed it well. And yeah, it, it just really, I I'd never really thought of a movie kind of being like that with a werewolf movie in the extent of how they did it here. Um, where they also, yeah, it's that mystery and whatever, but it's also just fun and it's, it's funny, you know, it's definitely got some, I guess you would call it dark humor or yeah, just things that are kind of funny that maybe you shouldn't necessarily find them funny, but they are, um, you know, and just some, some character traits of people that, um, definitely kind of like cliche type of you know, characters and how they are that I wouldn't say the movie's necessarily completely, you know, you're not completely thrown off by how the movie ends or the outcome of it. You know, some of the things in it are kind of predictable, but um, to that end, it's still fun. And it's still like, it, it exceeds any expectations that you would probably think of about a movie with werewolves and, you know, clue mixed together, like a, a whodunit werewolf movie. Cause I didn't have any expectations for that, but I feel like if I did, this would have kind of exceeded what that was. And yeah, I just appreciated that. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of unique in how it did some things and yeah, it just, it wasn't completely silly. It wasn't boring. You know, it was, it was fairly well paced. Um, yeah. Overall, I think it was a also a pretty solid movie. I think that was a very good way of putting it. I didn't think of that off the t- originally. That it really is like Clue, but with a werewolf. Um, I like the way this movie uh, unfolded the story. I thought that that was a very smart way of doing something like that, and it allowed the movie to play into the strengths of its actors. Um. So I really did appreciate that aspect of it. And I kind of, I, I loved how this movie was funny and it had a lot of heart to it, but at the same time, there are aspects of this movie that just are kind of like an utter gore fest, which also make it very fun. Uh, so with all that, I mean, it's just, I think at times it, did drag a little bit. I think it did have some pacing issues, but not, not terribly. So like, it's not enough to fully detract from the movie. It's just something where there are times where it could have, I don't want to say like picked up the pace a little bit because it is a fairly brisk movie, but there were times that just, there were scenes that didn't just quite feel like they were going at the pace. They should have been. You know, especially after the whole, there's a storm and where they really start getting into the whole whodunit aspect of it all, because I felt like there were times that there should have been more of a sense of urgency considering what was happening 
especially the mindsets of the characters with it all. So, you know, that's just a little bit nitpicky and gripey about it, but not necessarily, you know, is it a true deterrent to this film? It This film still very much works. It's very funny. It's very smart. It's very, you know, like I said, it gets into those horror elements. It gets into that gore, uh, you know, where this movie is kind of like a, it's not necessarily a parody of any genre or anything like that, but this movie kind of fits into the same lexicon as like a cabin in the woods or a, uh, a Shaun of the dead and stuff like that, where it's a very good kind of monster movie on the surface. Also, it's just really funny too, but it still succeeds very well at, you could see this being a serious whodunit with a werewolf also. And they just made the funny version of that. But if you took out the jokes, I think it still would have worked as a serious kind of like a, kind of like that movie devil that came out a few years back where the devil was, you know, one of the people on the elevator, it would have played something like that, but probably better because it wouldn't have had anything to do with M night Shyamalan like that movie did. But where it would have just been that very claustrophobic, fear-driven paranoia of we know yeah. someone here is a werewolf, but how do we find out? Uh, very much like uh, scenes from The Thing, that type of situation. This movie could have also done that, and in a way, it succeeded a lot at doing that stuff. It was just also funny and had more of a focus on being funny. So I really appreciate those aspects of this movie. Uh, recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, Justin, go. Yeah, I definitely uh, re- recommend this one. I think that if you're somebody who uh, likes your, you know, likes horror movies, likes horror comedy, or if you're just looking for kind of something, you know, because there are people that are just fans of werewolf movies and stuff like that. Well, this is a good one, man. I mean, I, I like the the all the different flavors that this has. I you know, it the comedy is good. The stuff that they do with the werewolf is good. The way that like it how it plays out like a monster movie is good. And then you have some good acting performances that really uh, compliment the script and what it's trying to do. So I thought that it was a lot of fun. And, you know, it's barely like it's just barely an hour, a little over an hour and a half. So I mean, it's not a long movie. You know, it's not, it doesn't have to be anything like that. I just thought that it was funny. It was fun. Uh, I really liked the leads. I, I was compelled by them. I, I liked them on screen. I liked seeing them. And then it had some really gory, bloody, you know, stuff worthy of a werewolf and the monster movies and stuff like that too so it has all of that in there and there are and there is some good satire and there are some good allegories in here too like you know what makes a person a monster and how fear controls us and how we can profile other people and judge other people and sometimes you know is that really warranted so i even like that like how a person can play on your fears so there's even like some deeper stuff about in here too that i even liked 
So, yeah, I thought that all that was cool, man. So, yeah, I recommend this. It was fun. It's good comedy. It's good horror. And it was a very well done uh, clue who done it type of movie. So with that being said, my score is going to be uh, 85. Um, hmm. I don't know if I should say that. Uh, <laughs> 85. Uh, We'll go 85 cute little dogs that um that 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 have unfortunate fates out of a hundred. <laughs> uh Heather, go. Yeah, I, I do recommend it. This movie is an unexpected, um just kind of rare hidden gem, I guess. Like I just I I didn't even know of its, of its existence until, you know, maybe a few weeks ago. Um but it's it's yeah it's a hidden gem but it's it's good it works the elements that it does it all just for the most part really works um i don't disagree with sterling about how there are some places that it kind of lags not and that's why i i said earlier you know that it is fairly well paced because i did also notice that too but nothing that really deters you from enjoying the movie as a whole um but yeah, I think that it's it's clever and it's smart and um they they just do some some good things in the movie that you know, it it's just fun. It's a good just like random fun watch, but you'll enjoy it. I I feel like you know, lots of different um elements of sort of genres of movies are in this one movie. And so there's kind of something in it for everybody. And I think that that's sort of what makes it good. They, they put the comedy, they put the mystery, you know, they have a little bit of like the romance and, you know, the, the horror aspects of it. They just have a lot of aspects that work well together with how they made this movie. So yes, I do recommend it. I think it's really good. Um, I'm going to give it 80. I'm, I was actually going to go with 85 as well. I'm going to give it 85. Um, hatchet throwing competitions out of a hundred. Yeah, I recommend it. Um, I'm the one that came across this movie. I don't even remember why I came across this movie or how I came across it. I just did. I just saw something about it. I didn't even see a trailer. I saw like a picture or the poster or something. I just saw something about this movie and I looked into it and I was like, fuck it. That seems like a good movie. And I bought it. So yeah, and this movie I don't feel ripped off with buying. I think this is a movie I could definitely rewatch again later and get just as much enjoyment out of it. I mean, well, you know, the 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 suspense and the the thrill of the who done it aspect would be lost on a reviewing. I think it still holds up with its comedy and its acting and the way the characters are written and their dynamics and chemistry with each other still very much without the whodunit element, make it very worth a rewatch. But at least on the initial viewing that whodunit aspect of it is a a really nice and uh, smartly played part of this movie. So yeah, I do recommend it. And weirdly enough, I think this is the first time ever that this is going to be like a trifecta score of an 85. <laughs> uh, I give it 85. Uh, um, 
fingers being bit off out of a hundred. Uh, spoilers. Yeah. Yep. Spoilers. I really liked how they had uh, what are the AT and T girl's name? I feel bad calling her that because it probably took her so long to get a movie like this because of being the AT and T girl. I know she's done a ton of voiceover work, and she's done a lot of like sketch comedy stuff, and like been on like you know those like weird comedy shows. She plays roles on those and stuff. She's been around doing stuff like that for a very long time, but um, I really liked the way they had her be the werewolf. I mean, it wasn't completely a surprise, but I liked the fact that all those scenes earlier in the movie that were kind of rom commy between her and the main character of their chemistry and all this stuff that I like how it became, uh, no, she's just good at playing people and she could tell what type of girl he would like. And she just played into that. Mm. She's like, that's, that's not a real person. I really liked that reveal in that scene. I Mm. thought that was just a very fun way of doing it and showing like, because that part in earlier in the movie was kind of cheesy and not necessarily in a bad way, but it was very much that, Oh, how serendipitous that he's in a, you know, he's, you know, coming out of a relationship and he's very down and very one sided in that aspect. And he comes across the girl of his dreams and the random little town that he moves to, you know what I mean? Like it's that very cheesy hokey. Yeah serendipitous type of shit that depending on how they play it can be very fucking annoying and I just really loved that it was all fake just because by talking to him she realized what type of girl he would like and she played into it just to blind him you know and I just really appreciated that at the end when she's like dude how fucking dumb are you that's a real person doesn't like isn't like that and so I really just appreciated that aspect of it all. And I, I really also appreciated how like some of the misdirects with this movie didn't feel forced. A lot of movies like this end up falling into a trap of they really need to get the, you know, the suspicion off of the who it is or off of somebody. So they force something to put you on to somebody else. And I really appreciated some of those aspects because they didn't do it just for the audience or just for the characters in the movie. They did a good balance of doing it for both. Like whenever they were like, Oh, it's the Sam Richardson's character. Like, you know, he's the werewolf. He's obviously the werewolf, all this other stuff. I like how that wasn't for the audience because we know because of the beginning of the movie, when that one guy gets attacked, it's before he shows up there. You know, no one else knew that The, the, the characters in the movie didn't know that. But we as audience members knew that. So I like how the, those misdirects were for them. You know, were just for the characters. But then, like, some of the stuff with, like, the gas guy and all this other stuff were for us. Like, they weren't, you know, they were meant to kind of throw the audience off a little bit and some of that stuff. Or, or with uh, the the crazy eccentric crafts lady, you know, with some of her stuff. I liked how they balanced it just enough of giving both One's just for the audience and one's just for the characters just to kind of really keep the aspects of the whodunit fresh for both the audience and the characters and to kind of keep that moving more. 
and to also give a, a slight franticness to the whole, I know it can't be them, but could it be? Like, this movie does a good job of sometimes making it you second-guess yourself with some of those aspects. And I just liked the fact that it it helped elevate the franticness without it being forced because I didn't feel like any of the characters acted outside of what they established for those characters, which I also really appreciated because a lot of times in movies like this, they do have a character do something insanely dumb or insanely out of character. Even if it is like you've only been around the character for a little bit, you know, like these types of movies, you've got some archetypal characters with these roles and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that they have to strictly follow these roles. I'm just saying like, don't present a character as one way just to five seconds later, throw it out the door just because you need a hoot. Like you need to create mystery. I like that. They were able to organically do it within the movie with the character types and, you know, situations that they created within their own universe. And it really kind of shows that the writer and the director and the actors themselves you know, paid a lot of attention and cared about those details to make sure that those aspects were fully fulfilled and, and, and fully realized within the movie itself. And I really appreciate a lot of those aspects. And I just like the fact that, like, at the end of the movie, it just kind of, like, like, especially, like, it does, it goes into utter chaos. And I really kind of loved that aspect of it all. Anyway, uh, Heather, what about you? Go. Yeah, I was actually thinking the same thing about how, like, there's so many movies out there where they do this misdirect just for the audience's sake, where it's just like you see the character do something that, you know, obviously you're not going to assume they would be the bad guy or the werewolf or whatever, just to kind of later on show that it clearly was them or something where you, you just feel like, well, you did that for our sake, but it's not in line with the character of who they actually are. If they are the villain or like the, you know, the fake setup of, you know, just trying to intentionally mislead the audience to really just completely change how that character is at the end. And I do notice that movies do that. And I'm, I can't remember off the top of my head. There was one recently that we talked about that did that kind of thing. And I was just like, yeah, they totally do. It's just like, it's like, yeah. So why would that be kind of like that movie? Was it the beach? Is that that movie? Um, or the getaway or something like that, where it's basically like the, the two people in the movie, the whole time when they're by themselves to the audience, they're just like, Oh, like oh, perfect getaway or something like that. Yeah. yeah it's with, that uh, one. Yeah. It was Steve's on and. Mila Jolovich yeah. and uh, I think Timothy Oliphant is in that. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah that movie is, it's inc- like, that is the worst example of like audience misdirect that you can do because it does the yeah, whole like thing. Of, yeah. Because it's just fake because like there are scenes in that movie where it is just the two main characters and they're talking to each other. And they're acting like there's a serial killer on the island that is chasing them. And then at the end of the movie, it's like, surprise, we're the killers. I was like, why the fuck did they have like nine different conversations about who could possibly be the killer when no one else is around? When they know they're the killers. Like, it makes no sense to do that. And yeah, this movie doesn't really do that. And I do appreciate that. 
Yeah, exactly. And there was, I, I know there's been one or two others since, and I'm like, man, they did that too. But in this movie, especially with a whodunit type of thing, I think it's important and very good that they didn't do that kind of thing. Because, yeah, then it kind of leaves that mystery of, like, it really could be any of them, honestly. Um, there were some people that I was kind of already a little suspicious of, like the lady with the dog, because she was, I feel like she was just so quick to be, like, almost pointing a finger or to point out something somebody else was doing to kind of take it off of her. Like not too much, but enough to where I was like, something's up with her, you know, but it wasn't, it was not super obvious, you know what I mean? And then in the end, obviously it wasn't really her, but you know, she was still bad. (laughs) So it was just, uh, I don't know. I just, I appreciate that they, they left that element of surprise that it still literally by the end could have been any of them. And they still kind of did where it goes back and forth and you're just like, Oh, this person's still alive. Maybe they're about to be the werewolf and then they get killed. And then the person who killed them gets killed. And you're just kind of like, I have no idea who this is still, you know? And it, it just worked with how they did it because it wasn't to this annoying point but it was it was just the right amount of doing it that way. Um, and yeah, I do also like that they made um, Cecily the, the, the werewolf at the end, even though it was kind of a bummer because I did kind of want her and um, Finn to end up together. But of course, you're right, that reveal of like, you know, she's obviously knew how to bait him because she knew what he was kind of looking for. But I just, you know, I appreciated like his whole character and how he's like, I'm just the nice guy and all these things. And then he just, you know, saved the day, you know, just that whole thing. I also really appreciated the scene at the end when, you know, he thinks he's killed her. And then you just see her in the background kind of getting up and, you know, getting back into werewolf mode to like attack them. And then, like, the old lady comes to the door and and shoots the werewolf. I loved that scene because it really, they just shot it so well. And you're just like, oh, no, she is not dead. Are they even going to, like, notice this? And, yeah, it just, the way that they did it was, like, it's not something you haven't seen in other movies, but they just do it in a way that is still fun and enjoyable and not just, like, yeah, yeah, I've seen this a million times. So I appreciate how they did that. And, um... Yeah, it just, it was funny. There were some just really funny moments and just how these people are just so kind of wrapped up in themselves and you just really kind of, (laughs) a lot of them seemed very selfish in a lot of ways and just really, it it was just very funny. The, the whole, the parody of like these people who were like in complete danger, but just worrying about the completely wrong things. And it was funny. It it worked and it, it it was a good, a, a good way that they did it. So, um, yeah, I just think that that's something I really appreciate because they kept the mystery pretty much the entire time up to the very end with this movie. And again, like, like you said too, Sterling, it's not like it was a complete surprise. I wasn't just like, oh, it's totally her the whole time. But I was like, okay, all right. I can see how they took it that direction, you know? So it, it just, but it still worked and it, it wasn't boring. It wasn't. It wasn't something that you're just like, yeah, get on with it. We've already figured this out kind of thing. And yeah, it just, it was creative enough to really just keep you on your to- toes the whole time in a fun way, not only scary or thriller 
not only comedy, it really was just a mix, a perfect mix of everything that you would kind of want from a movie like this. So, um, so yeah, I just, I really was impressed with how much more I enjoyed this movie than I expected being like, okay, this is a werewolf movie. That's a comedy. So like you, you almost feel like they're going to kind of rip off other movies that are similar to that kind of thing. Like kind of like what you said about Shaun of the dead and things like that, except you know, it just going in the wrong direction with it. It felt like it could have very easily done that and it didn't. So I appreciate how they did it because I mean, you've seen it with zombie movies, how they do it in a clever way. Shaun of the dead, zombie land, things like that. But with werewolves, how often do you see that kind of genre or mix of genres or kind of dark comedy thriller type of movies about werewolves where it works the same way? So I did appreciate that, and they just made it different. So, yeah, it was really good. Uh, Justin, what about you? Yeah, so with this, I just think that, um, I mean, the thing that I walked away with the most is just how clever it, it was written for these characters. And I think that, you know, there are just so many points in the plot where it could have done something of stereotypical or a little too familiar or things like that but then they would go kind of a direction to where okay that made sense or when a character does something you're like okay the the rationale makes sense for that character and just different things like that and just playing with some of those tropes and not quite giving you what you thought that you would expect you know even when they did it just like how you guys talked about kind of the lovey-dovey scene with um with finn and sicily and everything like that and yeah how that winds up just being part of the manipulation that she was using on him as a matter of fact when she was um explaining the entire plan to infiltrate this town all of her actions just when you play it back and think about it all of her actions made sense you know even down to just the first person she killed had to do with an occupation that he had so that she could easily slip in come in as a replacement for that person and just be there um in the town and everything like that and i love the idea of this werewolf kind of using fear and pitting these people against each other and sort of using that as her main manipulation seeing what the town cared about understanding what they and i love it too because when the beginning of the movie is playing out and we're with finn and you know sicily is kind of giving us the tour of this town and everything like that she knows everyone you know and and we've seen that kind of character that trope done before where our protagonist meets a character who knows everyone in town and can introduce them and can can, and can quickly exposit everyone in town but what but what's so clever about the script is that there was a reason for that she was profiling everybody. She was trying purposely to get to know everybody so she could manipulate them. So even that trope of let me give you the grand tour had motive to it when you look back at this whole werewolf thing. So I just thought that that was so great, like how everything that this werewolf was doing, there was a methodology to the madness constantly. And yeah, like like what you guys said, I also loved how 
not only did it play with the who done it of okay could this person be the werewolf could that person be the werewolf i loved how it played with the who done it of concepts as well there was a part of the movie where it has you questioning okay maybe this isn't a werewolf but this is a person manipulating people into thinking it's a werewolf. What if it's somebody who could possibly be doing this to make people think that's what it is, but that's really not what it is. So even that was kind of in there or the whole motive about greed, or maybe this character wants to do this because they want to, because they want these, uh, this oil man to come in and they want to make money off the land, uh, that this oil man has. So I like that. Or you had a scientist character and they played around with well what if she's part of this because this is all an experiment to see what this animal of this wolf does and so she's she's doing this to um because maybe she's trying to study and understand what this wolf is or maybe she is the wolf and she's and her motive is to try to understand herself better so she can better understand how to deal with this um with this wolf affliction that she has so even that scientist that was kind of cool or when they would do things like when the scientist uh killed herself but that other guy was in there so the way it brought suspicion onto him but he was but he just ran in the room trying to stop her because he knew the scientist so like even that like it was very organic and how they played with these uh who done it concepts and things so i just thought that all of that was great and everybody just acted with so much charisma and everything like that and everybody was just so well done in their roles you just appreciated everyone like like when somebody was speaking out there was never a character where i was like oh god this character's talking again and sometimes that's difficult to do when you have so many characters, but I just thought everybody played their role so well. And I just loved that concept that it played with like, who's the monster. And like, and even though there's on the surface, there's this, who's the werewolf kind of thing. I love the whole thing about how your fear can turn you into a monster. So you had all these people killing each other because of blame, because of greed, because of whatever it was. And it was all kind of predicated on this fear, whether it was a fear of not being paid, the fear that this person could be the wolf or whatever the case may be. I just love how like it showed how fear can turn you into a monster. And again, just being able to play with tropes and, and tell a more interesting story. I love how at the end with the Finn character, how when she was talking about how she was manipulating all these people and she was like, but the problem with you was that you were too nice because you were so nice because you were so good natured because you tried to see the value in everybody. You weren't falling from my manipulations. You just didn't. You weren't being controlled by the fear because of the nice person that you are. So even that trope of the nice guy finishing last or the nice guy being naive and easily manipulated and easy to control and stuff like that. I like how they kind of took that and spun that man and made it to where, nope, it was his nice qualities that actually saved him. 
he didn't go off and kill anybody. He didn't jump to conclusions. He didn't uh, do what these other townspeople did because of his good nature. So even though he didn't get to get the girl, so to speak, and, and that relationship beforehand didn't work out, I like how still his good nature is ultimately the reason why he triumphed. So even I thought that that was a great way to do that story and just was a, a, a way of taking a typical trope and then presenting it and actually making effective making it effective in a non-conventional way. So I thought that that was tight, too. So, yeah, uh, all in all, man, just a very fun, entertaining movie. But I really like the intelligence of this. You know, I can't overstate how intelligent this actually was. And going back to what you were saying, Justin, about like, you know, him being such a nice guy and believing everything like that's honestly, I like how that's kind of what saved his life also, because that guy, that yeah. was the standoff, standoffish loner guy came to town and ended up saving him because of that whole be nice to your neighbor aspect of the, the literal Mr. Rogers message that 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 character gave to him yes and i forgot to say that but i'm glad you said it yes that that was that was very cool when that happened i I really appreciated that too but yeah no that that was a very good point though about the werewolf and everything about her being the 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 post office person the the male person and you know manipulating everybody through fear but like also just like it's just so smart because like how do you think about like what's the easiest way to get to know everybody in a small town without drawing attention to yourself being the new post person yeah mm-hmm. like cuz you got it cuz they're going to see you you got to be everywhere so yeah. it was like genius <laughs> yeah and you had the, the built-in story about how you know he was cheating on his wife or whatever and all this other shit And so you had that logical reason why he would disappear and all this other stuff. And like the only other person that they really could have that she could have like gotten the same goal out of, but it would have been more forced as if she had like killed the the innkeeper, the the guy who she did kills uh, wife, you know, because that was the other person that really knew or was able to learn everything about everybody because she was also the only restaurant in town, you know, and stuff like that. But it would have been weirder if that woman just died. And then all of a sudden this random woman just takes her spot and like, no, I own this mm-hmm. now. That would have been, that would have yeah. had questions behind it. But if the post, if, if the male person just disappears and they think he ran off with the mistress, uh, you would think that the post office, you know, the U- USPS would send a new male person. That makes logical sense. To, you know, fulfill that role and stuff like that. So I really liked that aspect of it. And I liked how, you know, she used the guise of like, oh, I'll give you the tour, which was all just fake bullshit, really, for her to learn about him. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. She just wanted to learn about right. him. And that's the easiest way to do it. You know, and then she goes intentionally out of her way to make sure she sees the guy that is the scary loner, I'm going to kill everybody and I fucking hate everybody person. That she that he gets the brunt of that right off the bat is because she knows she's going to strike and be a werewolf soon. 
to this fucking town. Yeah. So she knew that he wouldn't have the same relationships that everybody else had to be manipulated. So why don't I automatically throw suspicion on this one guy? There would be a very easy, logical choice to blame for shit going down. Yeah. To the one guy that doesn't know anybody. So I like how that was just a smart little setup within her own plan that it just makes logical sense if that's your plan. If that's the plan you're going to do, it makes sense to go about it that way. I didn't, there wasn't really many logical inconsistencies in the plan she had. And I really appreciated that aspect of it. Yeah. And even just the whole answer, like, I love how they played around with, okay, is this actually a werewolf or is this a person manipulating us and trying to make us, you know, and trying to make us do things that we normally wouldn't do, trying to manipulate us, and it's a human person. And the truth was, it was a werewolf, but it was also somebody manipulating you. So I love how they played with the either or, and it wound up being both, you know? Like, even that was just very incredibly smart. So even if you were a person and you got to the end and you were like, oh, um, I know that it's AT&T girl or I know it's a uh, fan trip. I mean, even if you Sicily, even if you thought that and you knew it was Sicily, I don't know how you couldn't be satisfied with her explanation of how she went about doing this because it was just impressive, you know, and, and, and even at the end, like I kind of predicted the run in with, um, yeah, with that, uh, with that secluded character, was it Marcus? Was he the guy that was, or no, um, Emerson Flint, right? That that was the one, the hunter that comes in at the last minute at the end and saves Fan. I want to say that was the Emerson Flint character. I hope I'm right about that. Yeah, something like but that. But him. Yeah, okay, well, but, but you know what I'm talking about. The hunter guy that came at the end to save Finn. Well, at the end of that, like, and, and, I, and I said run-in, I guess that's kind of a wrestler term. Like, uh, everything is wrestling. But 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 I guess to quickly explain myself, but a run-in is like, you know, when you have a wrestling match and then another guy runs in to make the save or sometimes it's a bad guy running in to uh stack the odds against the good guy or whatever the case may be. So that's a run in. So anytime I see it in a movie, I always go, oh, there's a run in. But what I liked about this though was that I kind of predicted that run in. Like I was like, okay, I haven't seen him in a while. That guy, he's gonna show up at the end. So when he came, I was like, up oh, there he is, you know, saw that coming a mile away. But then the movie ends with uh with that Janine character, uh Catherine Curtin's character doing the yeah. shot on the wolf at the end. And I was like, Okay, I see. You baited Loved me with it. one run in and then but you had another run in that you knew I wasn't yep. gonna see coming. So even that was cool, you know what I mean? Like the like this movie was tight, man. It really yeah, was tight. Yeah. I just think it's funny though that wrestlers sometimes feel the need to explain their terminology when it's kind of obvious what you mean. I just thought it was funny when you were like, you know, oh, when this person did a run-in. Well, it's not really a run-in. You know, it's a wrestling thing. You know, it's when somebody runs in. I just, I thought that was funny. 
Well, you never know, man. There could be somebody that has no clue what I was talking about. Well, but it, so no, I just want to make sure. I guess that's why it's funny is because I, I do know a lot of people that have wrestled. Okay. And yeah. you all do the same thing, though, with it. Like, it's not just a you thing. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's a you thing that doing that. Like, I Ryan's done that before, you know? Like, he's made some weird joke or something like that. And... You know, it was like a wrestling thing, like term in there. And he's like, then he just looks at people and he's like, in wrestling, that means this. And you're like, is that just a wrestling trait? Is that something you guys just learn as you guys go? (laughs) Well, I think it's just because you're so used to saying those terms around other wrestlers that sometimes you will drop terms to regular people. And sometimes I just wonder, do they even know what I'm talking about? Like, if I'm at work and I'm like, well, you know, my boss really put me over. I mean, the person may, I mean, maybe you can infer from context, but they may not really know why I said that or what I meant by that. Or, you know, or or sometimes, man, I do it with movies all the time. Like, uh, the the structure I can I can have a whole podcast dedicated to how the structure of a movie is the exact same structure of a wrestling match, and I could talk about that for <laughs> hours. But dude, I'll be sitting there watching a movie and I'll go, "This is the this is the comeback," or I'll go, "Okay, this is or like I said, this is the run in, or this is the heel putting heat on the baby face. This is the this is our uh our protagonist, our baby face getting heat put on him. You know all these problems." all these things in the plot. So it, you, you'd you be surprised how much you use the terms, man. And so my, my, my wrestler friends and I, we always joke all the time that everything is wrestling. And I don't know, it's kind of true. Like, you could fit it in almost anything, and it works. Well, but I mean, anyway. and I, I, I get why you would make that comparison with some of that stuff, just because in general, like, good wrestling matches still follow a story structure. Good wrestling mm-hmm. feuds yeah. follow a story structure. It's, you know, it's so it's that universal concept of story structures, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm really surprised yeah, you totally didn't say is. one of the most common terms that are good for movies is the heel turn. I'm surprised you didn't mention yes. that. Yes. Oh, yeah. We've you're used, right. I should have. We've used that, that totally on the podcast. Here. We've used that on yep. this podcast of, oh, I liked the heel turn in this movie. And I, I know think, I should have said that and it was think, totally in here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the, this movie has a heel turn, you know? Yep. Um, and I do like that though. And I do think that that is probably the most, almost universal wrestling term at this point is the heel turn. I think people, non wrestling people at this point in time understand what somebody's saying when they do, a, when they talk about a heel turn. I could be wrong. Maybe yeah. I just know that so well, but I just feel like that I've heard that enough in just popular culture. I think that people know what you mean when you say, Oh, that's the heel turn or I liked this heel turn or, you know, Oh, that heel turn was obvious. You know, I mean, I guess we should ask the third person on this podcast that would be probably the most, you know, appropriate example. Do you, did you know what we meant originally when we talked about a heel turn, Heather, or did you just piece it together through context clues or did we explain it at some point that I just don't remember? 
Yeah, it was, I, I knew what you meant, but it was through kind of context clues. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, for me, it was context clues. Oh, okay. So you had not heard that expression before? No, not that I remember. Or if I did, it didn't stick with me until we started kind of relating it to stuff on the podcast. <laughs> but no, I don't recall learning that term before hearing it from you guys. Okay. What about run-in? When I said a run-in, was that pretty obvious what I was talking about from context, I guess? Or were you like, what does he mean by a run-in? <laughs> well, I mean, I knew what you were saying, but I guess like, yeah, when when you said it, I think I, I thought you just meant like, oh, just like a person who runs in to save the day is what I assumed you meant. Okay. But it's a little bit more than that from what you explained. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, okay. it's so, the yeah, same Maybe concept. that was a little more obvious, like Sterling say, was saying. Yeah, maybe just, that one was a little more obvious. I liked how, like, you, you you broke the cardinal rule of a definition of don't use the word in its definition. So, ideally, you wouldn't use the words run-in to define what a run-in is. You know what I mean? Like, I just love it when people say, oh. like, you know, like... Oh, what's that mean? And then they use the word in the definition like that makes it clear. Like in this, it does because it's a very simple concept. <laughs> but I just think it's funny whenever that's the cardinal rule of a definition. Don't use the word in the definition. And you were like, well, let me yeah. explain. What is run contemplating? In. It's to contemplate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something like that. You know, um, whereas like oh, with you, yeah, when yours was, well, let me explain what a run in is. A run in is when somebody runs in. And I just like that. It's that <laughs> aspect of it. I guess that's the most humorous part to me is that like, that's the simplest part of the, you know, saying the word run in. It's just, I think that that's what was funny to me about it more so that I guess that anything is just a run ins <laughs> when somebody runs in. Okay. And see, I thought I was making it easier to understand. Cause when I said when a person runs into the ring, that was me kind of implying that, that's where it comes from. They're running into the ring to do something to advance the story. So I thought I was saying, you know, that's where it comes from because they're running into the ring. But I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Oh, my. Just breaking kayfabe left and right on this podcast. I did that just for you. Kind of like how you explained the brother brother thing. I didn't know what that was. So <laughs> and you explained it. And I was like, oh, OK, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but brother brother <laughs> now i kind of want to sit have here had you do the whole podcast doing that <laughs> yeah one of these times you should just do the whole podcast as macho, macho man randy savage i think your macho man I is should. slightly better than your hulk hogan <laughs> really yeah <laughs> i think i might agree with that honestly just on the brief example that i heard earlier i think it's because it's 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 a much more enjoyable impression. I think doing an impression of Macho Man is just more fun than Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Hulk yeah. Hogan just sounds yeah. like a beefcake surfer. <laughs> Whereas like Macho Man sounds intense. He's more exaggerated for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um no, the funnest thing to do is imagine them in popular roles and stuff. Like, 
<laughs> one time we were <laughs> imagining what if Hulk Hogan was Darth Vader. And that was pretty funny because, you know, I am your father, brother, you know. <laughs> Listen, I need you to actually do Darth Vader as Macho Man Randy Savage because that would be great. <laughs> I will I will send you a recording because we were doing this like one day we did this the entire day and Devin actually did a macho man Darth Vader and it was great so I, I do not even want to attempt it I'm going to send you that <laughs> recording because he did it he did a great yes. job he was like I need oh, to hear Luke, this you. It, it was great man he was like oh Luke, yeah I see you. yeah yeah I see you man you've been training with Yoda yeah but there's a couple of that you left out like it was really good dude like he did a great job but yeah all day we were saying what if this wrestler played darth vader and we did rick flair as darth vader we did ultimate warrior we just kept going down the line and it was like the most one of the most entertaining days (laughs) entertaining work days ever but yeah that's fun what what was that word that that ultimate warrior made up i know he made up a lot but it was like destitute or something like that yeah destitute yeah oh man (laughs) that guy's crazy uh yeah now like just to go full circle like you saying that whole like imagine people in popular roles you know what i want to see now i want to see the movie face off but with hulk hogan and macho man randy savage Oh my god. So at one you point, imagine at one oh point, my gosh. You have to have Macho Man doing an impression of Hulk Hogan being Macho Man. <laughs> and vice Dude. versa. That's Doesn't crazy. that sound yes. amazing? Yes, it yes. does. And I'm surprised that this is not already like a thing. A thing. On YouTube, where these people just record voiceovers of those actors, you know, like you could just have the movie and just do clips and just have it be Hulk and Macho, and it's just them talking instead of Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. I just feel like it would be easy to do, but it would be so entertaining. Like I would just, if there were right. like a collection of those, I would, I would totally look at them on YouTube. Oh, like, that's perfect for fucking TikTok. <laughs> Right. It is, isn't it? Yeah. You could just do the same scene over and over again with different wrestlers or di- different wrestlers or different characters. And just, I think the best movie to do that with is Face Off because that's people being people being people. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just fucking great. You know, and you oh, get, man, and you get those scenes of the intensity of Nicolas Cage yelling and John Travolta being cocky Nicolas Cage being John Travolta. Oh, it's fucking great. I love that movie. I want to watch that movie now. I might have to watch movie. But yeah, it needs, like, there needs to be something like that. There needs to be, like, a Hulk Hogan Macho Man Randy Savage face-off. I was actually talking with my friend um, earlier tonight about, you know, the movie Pig, and she had not, she has not seen too many just Nicolas Cage movies. So she asked me like what my top few like Nicolas Cage movies are. And I had a hard time <laughs> with it. I was like, well, face off for sure. And now pig. And then I couldn't think of like a third movie that I would consider like, Oh, leaving Las Vegas, notch. raising Arizona, um, con air. Like I know con air cheesy, but it's fucking glorious. 
Con uh, Air. I forgot about that one. I mean, it's it's kind of dumb, but at the same time, fun is The Rock. The Rock's a fun fucking movie, but it's yeah. dumb as shit. But it's fucking hmm. fun to watch. Um, Weatherman is a super good fucking sneaky ass Nicolas Cage movie. Uh uh adaptation jujitsu i'm just kidding <laughs> um adaptations adaptation, a sneaky yeah. good john travolta movie i know you guys weren't as high on it but fucking willie's wonderland is fucking glorious uh him in that movie is pretty great i'll give you that and as bad as the movie is i don't hate nicholas cage in the second ghost rider Okay. In the first Ghost Rider, he's fucking terrible. But the second Ghost uh, Ghost Rider movie, I think Idris Elba and Nicolas Cage do an amazing job just acting in a movie that's still shitty. I like, you know, it's the first Ghost Rider. Nicolas Cage is very much like, it's it's cheesy in a bad way. You know, with his acting with it. And you know, you get into the Spirit of Vengeance movie, he actually plays more into, like, the the psychosis of it all, of you being somebody that's also inhabited by a demon, and the mental toll that takes on you and stuff like that. He plays into those aspects, and I think it's very interesting. It's just everything around him is just so utterly fucking shitty that the movie still sucks to watch. But Idris Elba playing a fucking drunk priest and Nicolas Cage showing the mental psychosis that is enveloped him by being both a demon and a person <laughs> is very interesting. If you isolate their performances, it's fucking great. But unfortunately that's not how movies work and you can't isolate their performances. You have to take the whole movie to account and it sucks so bad. Yeah. Um, he's not, Oh, you know what? He's also not terrible. In Moonstruck. Yeah. Oh, I didn't like Matt Stickman. Is pretty good. Yeah, I didn't like it. Oh, really? I don't like I don't like a lot of grifter movies. Mm. Like especially something like Matchstick Men, where it's like, where like the end of the movie like devolves into like I'm grifting this person, but then the other person's like he thinks he's grifting me, but I'm actually grifting him like this, and the other person goes, ha ha. You thought I was grifting you like this and you were going to grift me back like this, but I was actually doing that to grift you like this. And then some random other person shows up and is like, haha, I was actually grifting both of you by grifting this grift with this grift. And you're like, fuck off all of this. So we need Macho Man and Hulk Hogan to do that as well. <laughs> all right. I wouldn't be opposed to that. <laughs> I can still get behind that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny. I'm now going to start doing that like a thing where like, I'll be like, this is my impression of Nicolas Cage in Willy's Wonderland and just sit there silently and stare at somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And then be like, this is my impression of Hulk Hogan in Willy's Wonderland. And then just still just sit there and stare at them. But then just kind of bulge my neck out a little bit. (laughs) Yes. And then I could do, oh, this is the ultimate warrior as Nicolas Cage in Willy's Wonderland and then just stare at them and then just start running around screaming the word dust like destitute. <laughs> and they'll be like, I thought he was silent in that movie. And I'm like, do you think ultimate warrior follows scripts? 
Oh, man. Yeah, maybe you should put this on um, our TikTok. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I still have fucking four more months of movies to do every day. I'm not doing anything else on TikTok except for those. Maybe after all that. But until then... Just something until, in the back pocket for until later. Until January 1st, I'm not doing anything else on TikTok because fuck. I'm just surprised I've almost done a month straight. I'm really proud of myself. I really thought I'd fall yeah. off at some point. But... No, nope. hey, you've, you've done good. I've done. Today will be day 27. So. Consistent. Four more months. That's crazy. God, I fucked up so bad when I decided to start this on August 1st because somehow I forgot how months work. And I thought it was just four months. And I was like, that's ridiculous, but it's not as bad. And then I think it was like two or three videos in. I realized, fuck, this is five months. Yeah. Oh, man. Which reminds me, I still got to do my fucking one for tonight. Um, Anything else on these two movies? Because we kind of forgot we were talking about those things. No, I'm good. Nope. All right. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Semislayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.semislayers.com or Facebook where we're cinema underscore or cinema slayers podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We are cinema slayer or cinema underscore slayers. What the fuck you think I'd be able to get through this part? Cause I only do it every episode. Uh, TikTok, Like we were talking about, we are on TikTok at cinema slayers pod. I am doing a five month series of, I watch a different movie every day for five months straight. And I review uh, it in like one, like little one minute clips uh, every day on TikTok. It's might not be a movie I've never seen before, but it will be at least uh, a straight up different movie every day for like 153 fucking movies. So uh, check that out. I'm like I said, 27 movies in I have done. I did like a little series over the last two weeks where I did all nine of the planet of the apes movies. And I'll, especially in uh, during October, I'm going to go a little crazy. Then I think I'm going to do all the Halloween movies and all the Friday, the 13th and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to start doing that at least once a month, at least target a series of some sort. I think, uh, I think the month of September, I might actually target the child's play series. I think I'm going to watch all the child's play movies as a part of that too. Um, so yeah, give us suggestions, anything like that. I've got a couple of suggestion ones I'm doing, uh, very soon. I, I know I haven't addressed them yet, but I want you to know I have seen them and I will do them. It's just, I was suggested one of them right in the middle of doing Planet of the apes movies. So I'm like, well, I can't really pivot away at this moment. So I'll have to circle back. So I will be doing that. Um, shout out to plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos respectively. Uh, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate that. It'd really help us out. Tell your uh, friends, tell your family, tell your family's friends, tell your friends, families, but especially tell them dear, sweet, sweet mothers out there because you know what mothers love truffles. You know who finds truffles, truffle pigs back to pig. Do you know what mothers hate? Werewolves. They just make a mess of everything. I get it. So tell your mother, like tell mothers about this episode specifically because they, they totally be in line with all of this and just, you know, and also my, my voice because mothers love my voice. Let's just, it's scientific fact. Don't bother looking for the study. Just trust me. It's out there. Scientific fact. Mothers love my voice. And you know, as I was in the podcast and as I always 
in all the TikToks, not all of them, but for like the last, I don't know, 20 something TikToks. Uh, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. Luke Skywalker, let me tell you something, brother. I know you feel it. I know you feel it on the inside. You feel the power of Hulkamania and the dark side running in your veins. And there's a reason for that, brother. Because I am your father, brother. You are the offspring of Hulkamania. And it runs wild in your veins. So what you gonna do, Luke? What you gonna do with the power of Hulkamania and the dark side? Run wild on you! (laughs) Brother. (laughs) That was perfection, really. Oh my goodness. (laughs) 